How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I just don't understand the point of a 69. It's just, there's so many easier ways of... Enjoying each other. If enjoying each other, why would I be upside down and you be up the other way round? And oh, God, do me a favour. <laughs> Welcome to Women Talking Bollocks, a podcast where you'll hear, well, three women talking utterly bollocks. What you won't hear is anyone nattering on about fashion, makeup, diets, or those blinking Kardashians. I'm not even sure I know who they are, if I'm honest. But what you will hear is some uplifting, irreverent chat with myself, Jen Brister, and my two very dear friends, comedians and women the very wonderful, if slightly eccentric, Maureen Younger, and the dashing, kind, charisma bomb that is Alison June Smith. It's kind of how I feel about whenever I see scenes, sex in a shower. Can we just take a minute and be like, that no. is the least practical and dangerous thing to be doing sexually ever. It's slippy. And uncomfortable. Who's going to enjoy themselves trying to, like, crop a leg up or... Sex on a beach? Oh, sand in your... Sand in your chooch? No, thanks. No, I don't want a sandy chooch. No way. <laughs> That's my new name, sandy chooch. Well, you don't have to worry about that in Brighton, do you? No, unless you're worried about getting a large pebble up there. <laughs> Straight up rocks in the... <laughs> it's unlikely that a pebble would stick to the side of a bloke's dick, though, is it? I mean, unless his dick is massive oh. and you've glued it on. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's not an usual start. Is it, though? I mean... <laughs> you say that, Maureen. Is it, though? <laughs> Maureen, you got some lippy on. It's very red, isn't it? What's the occasion? It is a Ruby Tuesday. That's what it's called. Hey! Oh, and it is a Tuesday. Wow, look at that. I'd love to say I, I did that on purpose, but obviously we all know that was a complete fluke. Maureen, I don't think for one second that you accidentally bought a lipstick, or <laughs> deliberately, rather, bought a lipstick, particularly to wear on a Tuesday. No. That, that... And a different lipstick every day. Too much planning required. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I don't know what that was. That was upsetting. It was a kiss. Uh, doing it in French accent for some reason. <laughs> I love the fact uh, in French, you know what a French is for walkie-talkie? Hmm. It's a doggy-wookie. A doggy-wookie. <laughs> a doggy-wookie. They've changed it around to pretend <laughs> that it's French. But actually, doggy-wookie <laughs> sounds more French than walkie-talkie. <laughs> 
the fact that they've turned it around, I'm like, yeah, that's that cool. sound French. Yeah. <laughs> Both of you have got uh, a, a sort of Frenchy, romantic-y. Did you knit that, Maureen? No, I did not knit that. I got it out of a charity shop. Well, it's one of two, isn't it, with Maureen, when we ask her what she's wearing. Maureen, where did you get that? I knitted it. I got it in a charity shop. Two options. It was They're a 50-50 chance and I got it wrong. <laughs> Maureen, what are you wearing? Me or I have no idea. <laughs> All I know is that it belonged to a pensioner that died. <laughs> and was my size. And was my size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean... There's, yeah. a, there's a silver lining, isn't there, Maureen? That's what silver we're learning from, from your shopping. I actually broke the toilet seat. Oh. Again? Well, I broke the top bit, and this time I broke the bottom bit. I was going to say, you've already broken it once. I broke it again. And okay. so my dad came over because he's a great plumber, and it cost me... Well, actually, it cost me uh, lunch and a greasy spoon. It cost me four quid. I mean, it's not... Seats are pretty easy to fix. They're quite easy to put in. You could have done it for free, Maureen. I'd rather get my dad to do it, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, get your dad to do it. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying to you that it's easy. <laughs> why am I saying to Maureen? Alison, I joined in with you there where you went, oh, it's easy. And then I went, yeah, it is. And then we both forgot who we were talking to. Yeah, yeah it wouldn't have been easy. You'd have put the toilet seat upside down. Oh, something like that. What was great, though, my dad was going to a do that evening. So he came because he lives on the other side of the London. He had his suit on. So we were up the high street. He was the best dressed man there. <laughs> went to this greasy spoon. He's in a suit, regimental tie. I love that wow. he did toilet work in his good suit, too. Let's just to put this. Yeah. Took his jacket off. And then I gave him a couple of beers. He was quite happy as well. You had beer in the house, Maureen. Yeah, because I got, got it with a meal deal and then I don't drink beer, so I said, do you want one? I just know that if you go around to Maureen's flat, should you ever find yourself there, you will find a collection of numerous bottles of wine champagne. and champagne and schnapps and liqueurs and liquor from, I don't know, the 1970s. Gathering dust. <laughs> that Maureen, at no point, at no point... Will ever drink. No. And should she try to drink it, it's gone off. It's not okay. It will have gone off. But Maureen, will you get rid of those bottles? No. Because what if they didn't go off, right? Yeah. And there is a question to ask, isn't there? <laughs> we won't ask it today. No. Because why ask a logical question? But there is a question to ask about those bottles and why they're there. No. We can't open that kettle. Well, it's a collection, isn't it? It is a collection. That is true. <laughs> of dust. It is a collection of dust. <laughs> Alison, have you ever been to Maureen's flat? I've never been to Maureen's flat. What have I said, Maureen, about Alison visiting? She said, I must never allow you to stay in my flat. <laughs> I said, you must never let Alison step into your flat. She won't cope. <laughs> Let's be honest, it's only because I have a, a person in that cleans my house. I have a housekeeper. I myself am not grated. Oh, no, no. You go into your house, there is nothing out of place. It's like a showroom. <laughs> I can't believe you and Danny live there because you go there and there's like not a thing out of place. Yeah, they house. had to get rid of the breakables though when you come around, Maureen. Just <laughs> <I guess. laughs> Maureen's given a plastic plate and a plastic cup. <laughs> that wouldn't bother me. I know. You'd be like, thank you. <laughs> Maureen wouldn't notice. That's <laughs> true. She has children cutlery, like it is kids. No, stuff. I know it's a small cutlery because I couldn't be able to put enough food on the fork. But yeah. apart from that, I would that I would notice. What about your guys' weeks, Alison? What have you been up to? I mean, have we been up to anything? Come on. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, it's been adventures on trains for me this week. It's been mm. fun. Cardiff. I was in Cardiff this weekend, and there was marathons going on. It didn't dawn on me. It was stupid. I thought oh, I'll treat myself to a taxi on Sunday mornings because I had like my equipment because I did my radio show there, the hotel over the weekend. So I was like, I had all my equipment. 
I was like, I'm going to treat myself. Anyway, what would be a five-minute taxi ride turned into a 35-minute taxi ride because we had to go out of the city and all the way around because of the marathon. So I missed my train, had to buy another train ticket. Oh, no. You guys, I did have a little emotional break. I had a first-world girl cry. I called Daddy. I was like, it's just that I just really wanted to get home. And then the next train was canceled. So instead of leaving at 1037, I left at 3.30 p.m., everyone. That was fun. Oh, Allison. Oh, that's annoying. Adventures in trains. It's quite a long walk from the station if you've got a lot of luggage. This is the thing. I was like, yeah, it's a 15-minute walk or a five-minute. And it's just, it is. You could have the overground train there. Maureen, not now. Read the room. (laughs) (laughs) And then yesterday, I was a good person, guys, and I was like, oh, I'm going to go do a a fundraiser in London. I was like, yeah, no problem. Oh, my God, that is really good of you. So I got on the train, and I went to London, and I arrived at the venue, and not a single soul showed up for the gig, so there was no gig. So then I went back to London, and I took the train back to Manchester. So it was nine hours of just... What, did they cancel the gig and not tell you? No, no, we got there and just nobody showed no. up. People had donated money because it was one of those things where they're like, yeah, we'll buy a bunch of tickets, here's a donation. But then actual human bodies did not show up because so many people were sick uh, right okay. now. So a lot of people didn't show up. So they. Oh, Alison, I'm so sorry. That is because <laughs> oh. I was just going to say, why didn't the promoter tell oh. you that they hadn't sold any tickets and then just pull it? But they had sold tickets. Yeah. Could you imagine if that had happened to Jen? (laughs) (laughs) She wouldn't have taken it with the calmness that Alison... I mean, I'm I'm sure you're pissed off, Alison. I suspect Jen would have been slightly angrier. Oh, God. We've both heard heard about it by now. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you would have heard about it on the day, Maureen. Yes, I would have found you. (laughs) From the venue. It was just so... Like, you just stand there, I'm like... All right. Like, literally, it was like an oh, hour in London no. just getting to the gig, walking around. Guess I'll go back and then just go. Well, at least you caught your train on time. <laughs> oh, my God. That's one thing. I mean, I if you believe in karma, you've got to have something coming back at you. To come all the way from Manchester to London to do a gig for a charity for no money to then find that the gig doesn't even bloody happen and then have to go all the way back. That's not okay. That is not. I, ha- I hope the train journey wasn't horrific. Was it okay? Fine. Train journey was fine. Everything was fine. You know. Did you mention the train had been delayed or something? Oh I would have literally kicked off. I mean, I'd have punched a hole At in the wall. At that point, I was just like, oh my God, I'm so tired. I just want to be home. But hey. Well, you don't want to hear my week then. I do. What? Tell me about your week. I barely had any gigs. And I, I sort of oh. stayed in Brighton and it was really nice. Oh, in your house, and you slept in your bed, and you didn't get on any trains. And I'm oh, telling you, my that's God. why you don't want to hear from me. I had lots of work in the day, and obviously with the kids and everything, but I didn't, on top of that, also have to go out. Because the three weeks prior to that, I've worked like six nights a week. And so this was my week where I was like, I just can't wait until I just stay in one place for a little bit. So I had quite a calm week. You can't see this anymore, but I had a black eye. It's probably it's gone down a bit now. It was a classic parent injury where your child asks you to come down and pulls you down, then gets really excited and jumps as you go down and then headbutts you and nearly not be unconscious. And uh, it's one of those things where your instinct is to really get some expletives out there. Dig deep. Even the sea bomb was there right at the tip of my leg. <laughs> oh, my God. The sea bomb's going to come out. And you have to, like, yeah, uh, just 
crush it and <laughs> swallow it and just go, oh, bother. But that wasn't. It turns out my yeah. pain threshold is quite low or high, depending on how you look at it. I did have a black eye for quite some time, but it sort of manifested itself in what looks like just somebody that was very tired. So it's very dark circle under one eye. I see what you're saying now, though. I can kind of see like a yellowishy, like it's in the healing. Yeah. yeah. Can you see? It's a yellowy green. Yeah. For our listeners, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful yellowy green. Chloe looked at me. She was like, <laughs> I'm jealous. I've never had a black eye before. I was like, what are you talking about? That's not a thing where people go, oh, I wish I had a black eye. <laughs> like, if you haven't had a black eye, it's not on your bucket list, <laughs> no. is it? It's not like, oh, I want to go to Zanzibar. Oh, I hope I get a black eye before I'm 50. It's not a thing. <laughs> I had to say to her, it's not on my list and I'm not ticking it off. It's just there. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm not the only maverick here. It's also Maureen Younger. Maureen, dare we ask, what has been your be my money moment this week? I'd managed to block myself as a spam sender. I chose my own number and my own contact to block. <laughs> oh my God, Maureen, I don't, under- I mean, I understand, but I don't understand. I've got to shut this down now. I've got to shut it down. This is one that has to do with my friend. So when we were like 18, so obviously a few years ago, and we went to visit a house, my friend is, I would say, upper middle class. We went with my other friend, Ira, who, like me, is working class, family, background, and my other friend, Mickey, who's upper middle class. And we went to her house, very big house. In fact, at one point, I got a lens stuck up my nose, but that's not the story. So anyway, if you're not British, you might not get this, but in Britain, there's different names for what you have your evening meal. So like it's either tea or dinner. So I don't know what you call it. Or supper. Or supper. In working class terms, it's either your tea, your dinner, and supper is the thing you have before you go to bed. Right, okay. So it's like a coffee or a toast or something. Or like a lasagna or a full pizza, whatever your supper is, yeah. Well, potato fritters we used to have in my case. But anyway, that was Scottish working class background. Mm, That sounds nice, actually. If you're working class in London in the 70s, 80s, you'd have your dinner about six o'clock, right? So we get to my friend's house. It gets to six, no food. I'm like, well, okay, this is a bit ridiculous. Gets to seven, no food. I'm getting, as as you can imagine, bit narked. Gets to eight, I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Then at nine o'clock, her mother... Very nice woman, but a bit like Celia Johnson, if you know who that who I'm talking about. She went, oh, we're going to have supper. And I'm thinking, supper? We haven't even had our tea. What do you mean you're going to give us supper? And I am absolutely livid and I'm starving. So we get into the kitchen and there's like toast. We get two slices of toast. I thought, well, that's not going to fill me up. Where's dinner? Exactly. So I'm like, this is not going to fill me up. So I have two bits of toast. And she goes, does anybody want any more? Everyone's fine. I'm like, oh, no, I want more. So she puts another two bits. I'm like, well, it's only four bits of bread. I'm like, I've got it last to breakfast. So I went, can I have some more, please? And so no one else has eaten apart from me. I end up with a half a loaf of bread. By that point, I'm like, well, I'm full now. And then the mother goes, okay, now for the main course and brings out a roast dinner. Oh, yeah. oh <laughs> And I'm God. so stuck. Why hasn't anyone told you? I don't know. But like, as soon as I see the roast dinner, I'm going, oh, now we'll find room for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. But For sure, because it's a roast. <laughs> but I was <laughs> but I was thinking, why is she being so greedy? But I thought this is what I'm going to have until the next morning. So, of course, I'm filling up, aren't I? Yeah, I mean, yes. I don't know how you stayed so skinny, Maureen, when you were 18 and you were eating half a loaf of bread. Before bedtime and then a roast dinner. 
I just thought that's so typical of me. Because Ira, I mean, he obviously must have clicked what was going on. I'm with you, though. I don't know that I would have clicked it, actually. If somebody started giving me toast, I wouldn't think, oh, this is the pre... Yeah, this is the starter. Toast is a weird pre-dinner meal, isn't it? That's not an appetizer. (laughs) Toast isn't an appetizer. Like, toast is like the thing you sneak late at night because you feel guilty, but you want to keep eating. So you eat toast, right? Yeah. Right? Her mother was so polite, obviously didn't say anything because obviously I'm sitting there. She must have been thinking, going back. You would have been starving. In fact, you would have been angry. Oh, no, I would have been angry. I finished with a boyfriend once uh, because he he missed out on lunch. We had to wait eight hours before we had dinner. I think I remember this story. Yeah, I remember. Also, I have to say, where I grew up in London, I predominantly went to black parties when I was young. And at black parties, you always get a meal. And I remember going to my first white party. I was about 18. No meal, just twiglets. I'm like, are you kidding me? Where's the meal? It was a real culture shock for me. I was like, where the hell is the meal? I think anyone that has a foreign member of their family, particularly if it's your mum and she's the person that provides your food, and you go to an English family and you have their portions, it's like my brain... Because my mum's portions are, keep eating, you are hungry, keep eating. <laughs> I know we were a big family, but she used to bring out a pot that was enough for like 20 people. And we were like, we all know there's enough food here for us. So we never, ever had to worry about. And also, it was never really worry about asking my mum for seconds. She was pouring on seconds before you'd finished the first mouthful. Going round to an English family and then seeing the portions were like tiny, finishing, still being hungry but not being able to ask for more food because it was considered rude, <laughs> which I learned when I asked for more food from a mum. And I went, oh, is there any more? She went, rude. We don't ask for more. We wait to be asked. And I thought, in my head, I was like thinking, of course you ask for more. Otherwise, how do you know if I want more? <laughs> Did she call you Oliver? Well, please, sir, can I have some more? I think Irish and Scottish families do tend to do bigger portions. Yeah, I bet. I'm talking about English people. I'm talking about going around to an English family and then particularly if it's middle class family, they're like, no, we just only have one pork chop, three peas <laughs> and half a potato and a spoonful of gravy. But a shitload of olive oil. There's always lots of olive oil at rich people's house. I'm like, what are you doing with all this olive oil? In the 70s, we didn't have olive oil. You could only buy it in the chemist. My mum had it because she used to buy it at the chemist. That's the only place you could buy olive oil. I mean, listen, garlic, my mum had to go... Places. We didn't have to go to Brixton to get fish and stuff. Oh, no, we had a wet fish shop at the bottom of our road. Do you know, when I used to go to Dundee for summer holidays, I used to come back like a blinking refugee because I used to bring back mealy puddings, Wallace pies, bridies. I mean, all this stuff that you could not get in England. I'd just be loaded down with loads of food. I mean, I don't know what you just said. I don't know any of those <laughs> words. Not a single... I was about to be like, hey, sorry, guys, Canadian. Scottish delicacies. Delicacy, I think, is a stretch, isn't it, Maureen? <laughs> oh, Wallace pie was... Oh, I think I know what a Wallace pie is. It's a pie. And it's I imagine meat. it's a meat pie, is it a meat pie? Yeah. Anything else in there? I don't know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, you know me, I just eat it. I'm not bothered about what the hell's in it. I mean, I eat haggis, for God's sake. You never want to know what's in haggis. If you knew what was in haggis, you'd never eat it. Haggis, for me, what is it? It's mealy, it's salty-ish... It it could be anything. It could be anything wrapped in a sheep's bladder. No, thanks. I'm out. I tapped out. And Maureen, with the best will in the world, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Your palate is about as sophisticated as a one-note horn player. No, I don't have have a palate. But I'm British, so I don't have a palate. That's not a thing, Maureen. British people have a palate. No, we don't. You don't have a palate. 
That doesn't mean British people don't have a palate. There's British people listening to this going, I have a palate. Look, this sums up a British attitude to food, right? Do you know brown sauce? How British is that? We don't even, we haven't even bothered to say what it is. We've just gone, what is it? We don't know. It's brown. We'll call it brown sauce. You would never get a French person or Italian saying that in their cuisine. What do we call it? I don't know. We just call it by its colour. If you ask anyone in Britain what brown sauce is made from, I haven't got this fish. It's just brown, isn't it? It's brown. Just bang it on the chips and shut yeah, up. Yeah, but there's, not everybody likes brown sauce. What do you know what I mean? Where, what other country would what you call mean. their sauce brown sauce? I do know what you mean, Warren. But I it's do like think... when you get food now, it doesn't come on a plate. It comes on stupid little dishes. It's like, just yeah. bung it on the bloody plate, you twat. I'm going to, you know, fish and chips, you get chips in a little bowl. I'm not going to eat them as the hors d'oeuvre, am I? I'm going to eat it with the chips, you twat. Put it with the fish. I'm going to cover it in salt and vinegar. Who gives a shit? It's so annoying because you've got to yeah. pick up that bowl and it's hotter than the surface of the sun. So you burn your fingers trying to put your chips on your bloody plate. It's bloody annoying. It is annoying. Do you know what I mean? She is worked up, everyone. I wish you could see her face right it's now. It's just irritating. Just fucking put it all on the bloody plate. And I tell you what gets me annoyed when they put it on bloody bits of slate. Maybe we shouldn't talk about food. Maybe this was a bad idea, everyone. No, but <laughs> slate is what you find in your father's shed. It's not what you're meant to eat your bloody fish off, is it? Put it no. on a bleeding plate. No. You've got a slate, it's flat, so the peas go everywhere. We have a plate for a reason, don't we? We've used them for years because they're bloody practical. <laughs> Absolutely. Slate or a bit of wood. What a load of bollocks. Honestly, I'm, at times I just go to people, can you just give me a bloody plate, mate? Anyway, I've got... Not that I'm uh, upset about that kind <laughs> no, of thing. No, just, I, I... <laughs> that's, that's, that's got my goat. Bloody <laughs> putting stuff on slates and then giving you bloody chips and a thingy. Jim, I hope you got a cultural corner ready for later because the goat's done. <laughs> it's so annoying. Oh, I think we've done the goat. We don't need to do it. <laughs> and then they decorate the food. What the hell are they decorating it for? You're still going to shit it out the same. Fucking just put it on the plate, you twat. Anyway, uh, that's me finished. <laughs> ah, I feel like you just got started, actually. <laughs> Maureen. I didn't realise this was going to be such a hot topic. Remember when we introduced, when we wanted to introduce the food section? I thought it was quite a benign subject. <laughs> nope. Uh, obviously, it's, this comes just below housing with me. Let's not discuss that subject. We'll move on. <laughs> Maureen, thank you so much for your Be More Maureen stroke Maureen's what? goat section. <laughs> oh, wow. Alison, we would love to go to you now. Just to calm the waters. Yeah, how do you calm people? And to quash the fire and to, to still the raging thunder in Maureen's heart. And let us know, Alison, who has asked you a question and what is the bloody answer? Go to the gym, get it together, pay your taxes and stop eating chips. Take my advice. Take my advice, I ain't using it. Well, actually, it's very appropriate. I'm glad we are here to calm down because my problem this week, someone wrote in and they're like, how do I stop an anxiety or panic attack? So I think this is really appropriate, actually, guys. (laughs) Don't listen to this show. How do I stop anxiety? Well, don't start talking about food. You think it's going to be a happy subject, but it's not, everyone. People are very opinionated. Again, thank you, everyone who always shares your problems. Don't be shy. Any sort of issue, I love looking into it. So this one I thought, great. How do I stop a panic attack when it starts to happen? How do I uh, roll back my anxiety? 
Great problem. I think we all can deal with it. <laughs> I had my little hissy fit cry when I lost my train. I really spiraled out of control, guys. I was really upset about it. I'm with you there. I had a cry. I often find these things very emotional. Because it takes you, it, you know, and you're like, why is this the moment? But I like really lost it. And so then when the person was like, how do I stop a panic attack? I was like, actually, this is excellent. I should probably know how I put the halts on like crazy emotions as they start to happen. So panic attacks and anxiety. Listen, they are two different things. Anxiety is basically what rears you up. It's some uncomfortable emotions. A panic attack is when that anxiety just full on affects you. In a panic attack, you kind of, it almost feels like a physical, like some people have said they feel like they're having a heart attack. Your chest tenses up. It can be a very physical thing and you start to think like, what is happening to me? So anxiety is like the lead up, the emotions, the actual panic attack quite a physical thing for a lot of people where it worries them that something is happening. It's like an overwhelming sense of fear or dread in a response to an imminent threat. Uh, panic attacks often brief are brought on by the body's fight or flight response. So your body is literally reacting as it naturally should. So, or another definition of it, I like this, an abrupt surge of intense fear or discomfort. I was like, I call that Monday. All right, so here we go. So uh, what you should do, things you can do to help with this sort of thing. Obviously, you know, I'm always going to say, because I am not a professional, everyone, if you have a counselor, a therapist, these things are wonderful to help because a lot of times anxiety comes from a past situation or experience and you don't even really realize that it's affecting you and, and then it surges up. Like one girl I read, she kept having panic attacks when she was driving. When she was driving at night, she would like really get anxiety and started to have panic attacks. She was like, I couldn't remember why. I couldn't remember why. Flashback to she heard that her grandmother had passed a number of years ago and she was driving at night. And between her and her counselor, they began to realize that it was that moment that it just gave her some emotions that when she drives at night, like that's when it started. So it was like this unresolved emotional thing within her that was causing her to have this anxiety while she was driving at night. So it really had nothing to do with the driving at night. So talking to somebody can really help in some situations. So I'm a big advocate of that. Also, if it's very extreme, of course, talk to your GP, talk to your professional. But some people, a little bit of medication helps them. Okay, but I'm going to give you some other options of things that you can do at the moment when it happens. What can we do? Number one, breathing. When you go into anxiety or a panic attack, it's shallow breath, everyone. It's shallow breath. You're not getting as much oxygen as you need to your brain. Same with, like, uh, ladies, if you're doing a, a nerve-wracking gig or something that makes you a little anxious, do you ever notice you start yawning like mad before the gig? I yawn like crazy sometimes because I'm worried. I'm anxiety. There's not enough oxygen getting to your brain. So your body starts to yawn as a way to bring in. So the best thing you can do for yourself in these moments is deep breaths. And again, I like to do counting breaths in for seven, out for five, and really focus on the numbers. Keep going in for seven, out for five. I also think it really helps if you put your hand on your belly. It is controlling the breath that really affects um, your emotions and the rest of your body's reaction. Because again, it's in that fight or flight. So it's getting that shortened air. So deep breaths really can help in a state of a, a anxiety or panic attack. Close your eyes. There's a lot of other stimulus that will be coming, and sometimes just other stimulus around us can surge it up. So if you're in that moment, just close your eyes and do the deep breathing. Basically, what you're trying to do is eliminate as much outward stimulus at that time as you can. Practice mindfulness. So we hear that a lot. We don't know what it is. Basically, it means focus your attention on the present. 
There's a lot of different techniques, but I think the easiest thing to do in these moments is to just at that moment pay attention to what I call sensory. What can I feel? Are you feeling your jeans? Really pay attention. Rub your hands on your jeans at that moment while you're deep breathing and talking. Is there a wood table? Touch that wood. What is the wood? What's the smells in the air? The more you can make all your senses pay attention to what is actually in that moment, the more you are taking your brain away from the spiraling thoughts. So it's attention to the details in the moment around you. I think that's a really good mindfulness technique. Find a focus object. Let's say you're standing somewhere. Maybe you don't want to close your eyes. Is there a statue? Just look at that one statue or just look at that one thing and really, again, focus on the details of that thing. It is keeping you in the moment. That is what we're focusing on. Muscle relaxation techniques. Look, a lot of people, especially when you start meditating, do things where you like tense up just your hands, then relax your hands, then tense up your whole arms, then relax your arms. If you can kind of walk your body through a muscle like tense up and relax, that is something else you can do that, again, brings your mind and body into that moment, as well as it actually does help your body to relax by like focusing on tensing and then relaxing on certain parts. Picture your happy place. Mentally go to a place that makes you happy. I always think about the first time I went to Greece The first time I got out of that bus and I looked at where I was going to stay for a couple weeks and I keep that picture in my mind. So whenever I'm in that moment where I'm like really stressed or something's upsetting me, I try to see that beach. That's what I do. Think of a happy place. Look, overall, other things you can do to help with panic attacks and anxiety. I hate saying this. This is the answer to everything, though. A little bit of regular exercise in your life. A lot of anxiety is like stored energy in your muscles. When you're not physically exercising enough, your energy goes out through your brain, through your thoughts. You almost need to just tire yourself out a little bit. It's it's really good for you to just like, and walking and thinking. That's another thing too. They say when you're thinking about things, if you have a problem going for a walk, so good for you. So if you're having a bit of a panic attack, a little stroll, some deep breathing, really can help. So always engaging in light exercise throughout your life. Lavender. If you got a little bit of lavender, a little like lavender essential oil, lavender apparently is the essential oil that immediately relaxes you. That's why there's lavender and sleep stuff, lavender sprays. But literally, if you can have a little bit of lavender around you, a little like you could whip it out. I think they have lavender roll on things that you can use like and put on your pressure points. Apparently, lavender oil is really relaxing. Your diet. Look. If it's a lot of sugars and carbs, you're having crashes throughout the day, which leads to a lot of emotional problems, too. So sometimes anxiety and and panic attacks can be led back to the diet. So maybe looking a bit at your diet. Mantras. People talked about this, having a mantra that you could say to yourself in your head. I want you to write a script, okay? So I think of this as a script. So like (laughs) whenever something goes really wrong, whenever I have a panic attack, I stop and I think to myself, I don't know why this is happening right now, but obviously I'm meant to learn something now for later. I don't know why this is happening right now, but obviously I'm meant to learn something right now for later. That gives me comfort in that moment. So I think finding a script that kind of puts you back in that frame of mind can be really handy. And I mean, find a distraction. Do you have a friend you can call? Look, 
I know you two are your first point of contact when stuff is going on. I know you two have such a good connection, Jenna Maureen. I call my best friend Jody. You know, there's just that person that you can call, that song you could listen to, that thing, that distraction that that helps you. Um, and then the last thing that I really want you to think about is, again, learning what are your triggers? What is bringing these on? What? Why is this happening? So the more you explore why it may be happening, I think the better place you will be in uh, to stop these things. That is my best advice for how to stop panic attacks and anxiety. Alison, thank you so much. Once again, very good advice. It's also good to differentiate between somebody that is having a panic attack and what anxiety is because they're... Panic is physical, like it is. Literally, people feel like they're having a heart attack. That is what a lot of people describe a panic attack as. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it feels like you're going to die. And Yeah. yeah, finding ways, especially now with everything that's happening in the world, it can be really hard to find ways to keep that anxiety at bay. So any tips or tools are really useful. My mum always swore by chamomile tea. Chamomile, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Because yeah. that's supposed to be calming. And so yeah. she, when we were kids, she would give that to us with lots of sugar, which I kind of think cancelled out the calming bit. Um, <laughs> well, she was probably like, it's the only way you'll drink it. <laughs> it's the only way we drink it, six spoonfuls of sugar. Uh, yes, please, mummy. Um, <laughs> but that was great. Thank you so much, um, Alison. Maureen, any other hot tips from you? On calming down. <laughs> <laughs> the sarcasm in there. I mean, screaming. Yeah. Okay. This is why I don't do the problem solving no. section. <laughs> I'm not sure why I came to you after what we what we witnessed earlier. Um. <laughs> hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
surprised that you're here. I've just woken up. And yet she still has applied mascara and lipstick. I just want to point It's called being professional, Alison. (laughs) (laughs) What have we all been watching on the television? Has it been fun or has it been shit? I've been watching Bridgerton. Oh, is it back on? It's back on. Yeah. Bridgerton is back on Netflix. I was very good. I only watched two episodes on the Friday when it was back on. Oh, God. Well, after last year. Yeah. And a marathon section on Saturday when I got to bed on 7am because I ended up watching the whole rest of the series. So I've watched it all Boy, don't you ever think, wouldn't it be nice to let this drag out a bit so I've got something to look forward to? I did watch two episodes and then I kind of had a snooze on the sofa and then I woke up and I was really wide awake. So I thought, oh, I'll just watch the rest now. Which I did. It's fine. Right. I mean, do you do you, Maureen? For God's sake, do whatever you like. Escape. I mean, obviously you miss Reggae Jean Page because he's not in it. Oh, devastated. This series deals with Anthony, who was quite annoying in the first series at times, but now you get to see mm-hmm. his backstory and you realise why he is how he is. And I think it Who was a bit he? more apparent, even though it was the same story last time. You know, when boy meets girl, but they don't like each other, but in the end they fall in love. I find that quite annoying generally because when I don't like somebody, I don't tend to suddenly fall in love with them. <laughs> I tend to carry on hating them. So, I mean, I don't really relate to this. But actually, what was interesting, which kept you intrigued, is because, you know, it's, it's Bridgerton, it's not EastEnders, so you know they're going to get together in the end, is how they were going to do it because the story goes in such a way, you're like, how are they going to get from this situation to being with each other because you just can't figure out how that's going to work so that's quite interesting thing I did make me cry at a couple of points because you see the backstory when the father died and everything and you see the grief of the mother and the way she describes grief luckily I've never had grief to that extent but I I suppose in a way it's a bit like depression where you know her son's trying to chivvy her and she's like look I get up I have a bath and that's all I can do you know that is as much and I've been there when when you're depressed when actually Mm -hmm. getting up and actually having a shower, that's all you can do. I remember once when I, obviously with the house, I've been so depressed. At times, I used to get up and used to do an hour of admin. And that was all I could actually force myself to do. I do that hour and then I go back to sleep. And so I thought that was quite interesting. And then there's like two scenes towards the end when they talk about love, because it really is a pine to love, Bridgerton, isn't it? And, you know, the mother at the end goes, you know, despite the fact I was in such pain, I would do it all again just for, you know, just to get that, that love. Yeah. So, yeah, the guy who plays Anthony is brilliant in this. Really, really good. I've forgotten who Anthony is. Oh, he's the eldest brother. Oh, okay. okay. I remember who he is. Okay, he's fine. He's the Fine, 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 fine. That's who I thought you were talking about, but then I was like, I just thought I'd double it's check. just so beautiful to watch. Also, there's a lot less sex in this one. Well, actually, do you know what? That's not a bad thing. I found it a bit much. But do you know what is nice in this day and age where, you know, people just sleep with people and then go, oh, sorry, what was your name again? It's quite nice that you've got the absolute opposite where people are getting excited just at the thought they might touch each other's hand. You know, it's that kind of romance, which we don't have nowadays at all, that kind of romance. You do have that. You might not have it on screen, but I mean, you know, romance is still there and you can still have that person that you've got a thing about, obviously when you're single, where you're just excited to see them in the same room. I mean, remember those days, you know, when you were... Where you see someone and, and just seeing them would be like, oh, that's just made my day, you know. I mean... I'm sure there are times when I walk into the room and Chloe's like, when are you leaving? <laughs> it's different years later. <laughs> when you're here, you're always here. When, when are you going to go? When are you going on tour? <laughs> when I announced the tour, she was like, oh, suddenly you'll be away a lot at the end of the year. I was like, yeah. She was like, oh, oh good. I was like, oh. By the way, for those listening, Jen's tour dates went up online on, is it Thursday? Oh, God. Th- Maureen. 
absolutely better at this PR thing than me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, not all of the dates are on sale yet, but all my tour dates are there. There you can see where I'll be going on tour. And if they're not on sale yet, they will be coming on sale in the next few weeks. Do you want to remind the listeners of the website address? It will be on, on my Instagram. It will be on my Facebook. It will be on my Twitter. And I will have a link there that will take you to where you can buy tickets and where all the information is. It's not yet up on my website, so do not bother looking there. <laughs> but yeah, you can go and buy tickets for my tour. I'd love you to come. I have like 40 dates or nearly 40 dates. And for those of you saying, why aren't you uh, performing in London? I am. We just haven't organised a date, so it'll be in the spring. Is it the Palladium? It'll be at the Palladium, Maureen. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be in the Palladium foyer. <laughs> Yes. All right. Let's not draw attention to that. What have you been watching? So I thought I'd try podcasts again this week because there's nothing really I've watched on telly that I've been that excited about. Mm -hmm. My last time I neglected to recommend a podcast, which I listened to a while ago, is so batshit that you have to listen to it. I'm sure many of you have already heard it when it when it first came out. Sweet Bobby. It's a wild, wild story. And I am not going to tell you anything, actually, about it. Nothing. I'm going to tell you nothing about it. But the story is compulsive. You will not stop listening. It is beyond your imagination of how this could even happen, why it happened. And they will delve into all of that. And that's all I'm going to say. So Sweet Bobby, the whole series is is available now. And I would recommend you listen to it. I also thought I would recommend some of our friends' podcasts that we have. And I think myself, Alison June-Smith and Maureen Younger can all recommend Sally-Ann Haywood and Lou Conran's podcast, Spit or Swallow, where they invite predominantly comedians, but actors and other uh, presenters to discuss their favourite booze. And then between all that, the stories they have, like they ask you daft questions about all your drunken stories or all stories around booze, basically. And it's really fun. And they've got so many brilliant people on. They've had Stuart Lee, Jason Manford, Rusty Lee, Jimmy Carr, Emma Kennedy, Christopher Biggins, Trevor and Simon, Bernie Clifton, the Scummy Mummies. I mean, they've had loads of people on there and it's a really fun podcast. So I would recommend you go and check them out. And also they do live shows as well and they're both very funny comedians the other podcast i was going to recommend is also friends of mine they're the two shirley's and they do a podcast called mother funk it is basically about them being mums and they do interview people about motherhood but they are just two very funny women just talking crap most of the time we can relate to that it's not dissimilar to this podcast so (laughs) if this is your jam go check out mother funk Okay, it's really daft. I've I think I did it during lockdown, and yeah, I mean it's Joanna Carolan and Pascal Wilson who are Shirley and Shirley who I used to love. They've done many in Edinburgh, and I've seen many of their shows, and they're very very funny. So I will recommend those three podcasts for your delectation and delight. You're welcome, Alison. It is the horror time. Yeah, what horror? Yes. Okay. Well. I think it's interesting because when I was reading about this, I always knew this. I always did jokes about this, but it is scientifically proven. If you (laughs) have anxiety, do you know horror movies can really help with that? Watching horror movies can help you with your anxiety because what it does is it's kind of a cathartic thing and it gets the emotion, the (gasps) out of you. 
So actually, they say sometimes watching horror movies can really help. Also, you burn calories when you watch horror movies. I'm just saying, do you want to use a treadmill or do you want to watch a horror movie? I want to watch a horror movie. This is why I think I've watched The Walking Dead, because I'm obsessed with Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm obsessed yeah. with it, that I think Armageddon's going to happen at any given moment. That when I watch things like that, where Armageddon has basically happened, I'm like, it, I find it incredibly cathartic. I love it. Even just the releasing of the emotions, they say it's really good. I mean, it looks, certain movies might uh, trigger your anxiety, so choose the, the type of movie carefully, right? But even some people say that could be a good thing. You're, you, you know, heights gives you anxiety. Some people say watching movies about heights has helped them. So uh, it could be either or. But over all they say horror movies do help with anxiety and I started to think about okay so for me I always think of this I am so glad that I am not Sigourney Weaver in Alien I don't think I could handle aliens that's a big thing for me that's so my horror movie of the week is Alien I want to recommend oh, what Alien a great film the what first film. one it is so I saw that in the cinema oh god amazing 1979 class I could when I said 1979, I couldn't even believe it was in 1979. Can yeah. I just say, I didn't scream, and I was very, very proud of the Jen fact. Jen is acting it out. I didn't yeah. scream, and then it was at the State Kilburn, and all of a sudden they put the lights up, and I went, ah! Like that really scared everybody with it next to me. <laughs> Alien, so great. If you've never seen it, the crew of the spaceship Nostromo discovers a mysterious life form on a barren planet and unknowingly brings it aboard. As the deadly creature hunts down the crew one by one, Ripley... Sigourney Weaver fights to stay alive and does she ever fight and to me she's such a, an example of survivor and winning and strength she's such a strong female character that Alien is the movie that I am choosing it inspires me you want to deal with anxiety watch Alien and think well if Sigourney can do it so can I I can get through any of these situations so that is my horror movie suggestion I love it I don't even think of it as a horror movie I think of it as a sort of a sci-fi but you're right it is pretty horrific in parts I loved Alien I don't know if this is controversial it might be I preferred Aliens. Hey, I love all the Aliens. So is Aliens, which was that one? That wasn't the prison one, Aliens. No, the one before that with Bill Paxton. Yeah, 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 yeah. Great. Oh, my goodness. Absolute cracker. I didn't really enjoy Alien 3 as much, but... Well, that was in a prison. There was a lot of men. It was yes. more, you know, it was, it was. All the aliens, great. I just, Alien, the first one, I think it's such a classic. It is a classic. Tale of survival, everyone. We all could use that. Alison, thank you very much for your horror recommend. My pleasure. Maureen, I feel like this podcast has gone on for days. Um, it does seem to have gone Let's. <laughs> Maureen, what is happening in your corner that has been cultured? Of course, it's the corner time that is often cultural, but sometimes just batshit. <laughs> it was Oscar time. I don't know if you saw the Chris Rock, Will Smith oh my incident. Flipping it. There's a war in the Ukraine, but all we heard about for one day straight was... What a mess. Yeah. Anyways, so I thought I'd talk about great films that never got any nominations, because it's sometimes when you look back, you're like, how did this film not get nominated? You know what I mean? It's interesting. So the first one is Breathless, Abu de Souffle, from 1960. French movie, have you seen it? By Jean-Luc Godard. It is one of the most influential films ever made. It's like one of the early films of the New Wave. Uh, Godard and Truffaut, probably the two main kingpins of the New Wave movement, which changed the way people make films. And it didn't get any 
Oscar nominations. Well, I would have probably just gone for best foreign film, but it didn't get any nominations. It's got Jean-Paul Bermondo and Gene Seberg in it. And I don't really like Godard films, but I do like this one. It's a very good film. So I would recommend it. Now, this one I know that Jen knows. Didn't get any nominations. Bringing Up Baby, which is a great screwball comedy with Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn and a leopard. It's fantastic, isn't yeah. it? It's a brilliant movie. It's really good. It's a really good film. And I think part of the problem is people don't rate no, comedies no. and comedians. I think it's really easy. Yeah, comedy films don't usually get considered for Oscar. I mean, I'm not saying they haven't, but they don't yeah, usually. Yeah, they don't. And it's like, mm, I think you find that comedy's quite hard to do. Anyway. Unless it's a comedy drama. Yeah. Like it's got, got to have drama This is just a screwball comedy, but it's one of the comedy. best around if no. you've never seen it. Now, I know Jen has seen this. I don't know if you have, Alison. Don't Look Now. Oh... Yes. Have you seen it, Alison? What a great film. I feel like it's even been remade. It's Maureen. got Donald Sutherland. It's got Canadian in it and uh, Julie Christie. Yeah, I and saw the, the original. Yes, yeah. The child dies, their the little child daughter dies. dies. And they go to yeah. Venice. Yeah. If you haven't seen it, it's scary as, and it's really worth watching. Very explicit sex scene, which I had to watch my parents. I was going once. to say bad mood. That is sex scene. No, I was very young, long. and I'm not into Donald Sutherland's sex scene. I'm sorry, I'm not. It's really explicit, and you're like, oh. He has got very long legs. But no Oscar nominations, but it did come out the same year as Exorcist. So, yeah. Ah, there you um, go, Exorcist another great is where scary goes. Comedy, yeah. His Girl Friday yeah, with Cary Grant again and Rosalind Russell. Have you seen that? I have seen that. I definitely have seen that. Very funny. I think Cary Grant in the end got an honorary Oscar. I don't think he ever got an Oscar. Now, this is a brilliant film called The Paths of Glory from 1957, a Stanley Kubrick film. I would really recommend this. Black and white anti-war movie. It's no. set in France in the First World War and troops refuse to go on this suicidal mission. And so to teach them a lesson, high command decides to pick three of them, do a show trial and then shoot them for cowardice. Oh, my God. Yeah, and Kirk Douglas is trying to defend them in a completely show trial. So he's trying to defend them and stop them from getting killed. And it just shows you the pointlessness of war. It's a brilliant anti-war film. It's really well done. I totally recommend that film. Another film that I haven't seen this but never got any Oscar nominations. I think you two will be surprised about this. The Shining. Oh, I love oh, The Shining. Oh, Shining's fantastic. Yep, never got anything. That's crazy because it was a monumental one. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to see what did get picked that year because you'll go back and you go, how did that get picked? And the last one, which I really like, which is a classic film noir, Touch of Evil, which was Orson Welles. And it stars as Charlton Heston as a Mexican lawyer. Get your head around that one. <laughs> weird casting. Janet Lee is his wife and Orson Welles is a corrupt policeman. It might have been beaten up, but at the time it was the longest tracking shot, the opening shot is the longest tracking shot in cinema history. And the story goes, I mean, it was a very complicated thing, obviously. And the guy at the end, there's one guy at the end who's got to ask for the passports. So he kept getting it wrong, apparently. And they have to reset everything and redo it all again. <laughs> You can imagine how popular he was. And it's a really great movie. Again, black and white. Also was preferred filming in black and white. It's interesting, isn't it, that the films that kind of totally get missed by. Yeah, I know. It's weird. But look, we know this to be true, that just because you get an award or because it's nominated for something or win something doesn't necessarily mean it's the best thing. Although there's so many politics around why movies mm -hmm. get chosen. Look at the Golden Globes. I mean, Golden Globes have proven to be a complete sham. You know, how much money were they being donated? Who was being bribed what? What film was being chosen because they were giving a certain amount of money to people or, or when they arrived on set were taken out and given champagne and put in a nice hotel? You know, all of these things, I'm not suggesting that happens at the Academy, but there are lots of reasons why people might vote for a film and, and whatever the politics of the day are, etc. So, or who won last year? 
mm-hmm. might dictate who wins mm-hmm. this year. Oh, we had a black guy win last year. We can't have two black people winning in a row. Do you know what I mean? All that kind of crap. So, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that absolutely dynamite films get get overlooked. Maureen, thank you very much for your uh, cultural corner. Now, listen, I'm going to put this out here. We've had a goat, yeah? <laughs> and I think there's only room for one goat in this podcast. And it was really an impromptu goat. That was a very entertaining goat. So, Jen, look, if you're about to say, I think we've had the goat for this episode, I stand behind that. I'm with you. Alison, I knew you'd be behind Of course I am. And I know, even though she's saying nothing, it's also behind it. She also agrees. Are you, do you agree, Maureen? Yeah. Your sound cut out for a minute, too. Sound That's the universe going, bit. you don't need to do a, a goat right now. <laughs> so my microphone just went, this is how little we want to hear from you, Brewster, <laughs> is that the technology has said bye-bye. No, no. So I'm going to take this opportunity to firstly thank every single one of our WTB listeners once again, to thank all of our patrons. Thank you so much for donating and giving um, uh, your money <laughs> and uh, your support. We very much appreciate it. And to ask a favour. Now, listen, listen, WTBs. We're not the biggest podcast in the world. We know where we stand. We're, 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 we're in small boots, but the boots that we're wearing, we like. And we're very, they're very comfortable, actually. Because as a lesbian, I love a comfortable shoe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but what we'd like to do is ask you all this wonderful favour. Would you mind going on to Apple and rating? and reviewing our podcast it helps just to get our podcast any kind of notice at all so if yep. we if we ever want to go for the british podcast awards if we ever want to i mean look don't get me wrong we'll do this if no one listens absolutely That's the women we are <laughs> things like that don't stop me and jen <laughs> the three of us will carry on doggedly with this podcast irrespective i've joined in with the tenacity party i'm a part of this now yeah exactly <laughs> But if you have the time, and look, I understand that you get asked to rate and review, you know, you, you, you literally buy a washing machine and like 66 people ask you to rate and review. It's a nightmare. I get it. Who wants to do it? Nobody. But if you want to give us WTB gals a gift, that would be the gift we'd ask you to do. On Spotify, there is a stars thing now where you can rate us. I would ask if you're enjoying the podcast to give us five stars. Apple, you can rate us wherever you get your podcast. If you wouldn't mind rating us, giving us a little cheeky review to say if you've enjoyed the show, we would love it. Obviously, if you've hated it and you think this is a part of crap, you don't need to. Don't. Don't you, make us all reviewers. <laughs> don't think for a second that we're not aware that this is a Marmite podcast. Okay. And that's it. That's what we'd like to do. So thanking you. We're loving you all. And I hope that you have a nice week. Because we will be back next Friday. women talking bollocks if you have enjoyed WTB please make sure that you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a little review or you can check out our socials now on Instagram Facebook Twitter YouTube and you never know we may even get on TikTok and if you do like the show please do have a look at our Patreon for bonus content and weekly treats well that did How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.